Uh, if you've not met me before, my name is Melanie. Uh, I'm married to Stuart, and we came here a few years ago to start Real Life Church together. Uh, we are a mummy and a daddy to Levi and Asher. Levi's five, and Asher is three, uh, just. Um, and I spend most of my days looking after my kids and my home um, and my husband. Uh, which, you know, if you know all of them, that would keep you busy, really. And I spend a chunk of my time uh, looking after real-life kids and real-life youth, and I spend a chunk of my time looking after events and evangelistic stuff that we do. So uh, we're kept nice and busy, really. Uh, I've called my uh, preach this morning how to get rich quick, and I'm assuming you've all come eager because you want to know what the answer is, really. So... Um, here we go, how to get rich quick. So if you uh, are fortunate enough to have yourself a child, you will be told over and over and over again to read to your kids. You'll be told it from when they're born practically, and you'll be told it in school over and over and over again because many studies prove that kids who are read to will do better in school often ending up in further education, often ending up in a job of their choice. Therefore, in the eyes of the world, often ending up more successful. So you're told it over and over again. Read your kids, teach them to love books, love the word. And the Bible says almost the same thing, really, over and over again. The Bible is very clear. The way that you get rich, the way that you get rich quick, is you read your Bible. Most of you are sitting there going, oh no, gutted. Honestly thought she was going to tell us how to get rich quick. I am going to tell you how to get rich quick. Read your Bibles. For a lot of you, you'll be sitting there going, oh no, here we go. Hang on in there, okay? Because I want to help you see how amazing this book is and I want to help you understand how you connect with the greatest story ever told. If you're sitting there and you think to yourself, I just find the Bible so boring or I just hate to read, I just, I just don't read, I, I want to tell you today that I'm going to help you see how important it is, how vital it is and ways that you can do it that work with who you are. I generally preach um, a couple of times a term and Stuart generally says to me, you tell me what you think the church needs to hear or what you're feeling or sensing. Uh, at the start of the year, I, I, I just felt so stirred about the Bible, just felt really stirred about making sure we're a people that are really connected into it, rooted into it, understand it, live by it. And I, I felt really stirred about it. So I said to you, I want to talk about the Bible. I want to talk about this beautiful, powerful, amazing book that has the ability to transform your life when you're saved, but over and over and over again. So John 5, I'm going to be hopping around the Bible. So if you want to hop around the Bible with me, fine. If you just want to listen to me, that's equally fine. So John 5, 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, so talking about uh, the Bible, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. From the beginning of time, the word of God has been essential in bringing life. So actually, even from the firstborn in creation's story, it was a word that brought him into being. 
From the beginning of time, God has been speaking over and over and over again. If you want to get rich quick, do the following. Pick up your Bible and start to read it. Make sure you are saved in it and being saved by it over and over and over again. Some of you will be sitting there thinking, I hate to read or I'm not a good reader. I want to say that we read all the time. So I often hear people saying, oh, I just don't enjoy reading. I just don't enjoy books. They are the same people who will happily read text messages, go on Facebook, read articles on Facebook, go on Twitter, go on news feeds, read emails, magazines, food labels, menus, washing labels, books. When Harry Potter came out, the whole world went nuts for reading because it was something that grabbed people's attention. That book just went crazy in book sales because suddenly people were like, and everyone was like, wow, people like to read. It's nothing new. Fifty Shades of Grey comes out and a whole bunch of women are like grabbing a book and just plowing through it. I've not read it. I'm just, you know, I'm not one of those women yet. But um, a whole bunch of people were like, give me the book, could not read it fast enough. You know when a book grabs you, you can't go to sleep. You're just like, oh. We read all the time. A study by the University of Southern California in 2011 suggests they analysed how much information people on average read. And they said that you're bombarded with enough information to fill 174 newspapers daily. The whole time we're bombarded by words, the whole time we're reading road signs, maps, phones, and like we're bombarded by it all the time. Whether we like it or not... God has chosen to reveal himself in a book. And you can say, well, I don't really like reading, I don't like books. Get over yourself. God has chosen to reveal himself in a book. God has chosen to reveal his story in a book. Whether you read that book yourself or have it read to you makes no difference. God has chosen to reveal himself in a book. This book is splendid. This book is powerful. This book changes lives. This book in some countries has to be smuggled in because the government recognizes its power to transform people's lives. In some countries, they carry around a page of it because it is so precious to the people. In some countries, families or tribes own the Bible between them and pass it round. In our home, we must have, I don't even know, 20, 30 Bibles. They are everywhere. We don't know how rich we are, how blessed we are. I lose more Bibles than some people ever own in their lifetime. The Bible says this in Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The word of God contains the truth. And not just for life 2,000 years ago, contains the truth for life today. Every word of it is true. Jesus himself is called the word and the book is all about him So John 1 verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He himself said, this is my name, this is who I am, this is what I embody. I I am this book with legs and arms walking around, talking, living. I am this. 
in flesh and the word. It saves us. And you might be sitting there going, we've got to get Stuart because it's the cross that saves us and Jesus that saves us. What is contained in this book saves us. These are the words of eternal life. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 2. Is anyone managing to keep up with me flicking? That's all right then. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believe in in vain. So I would remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, this which you receive and which you stand in and by which you are being saved. These words, we're supposed to read them and they are supposed to continually be saving us over and over again, bringing us more and more like Jesus. The word and the spirit work together. I'm going to tackle a lie in a minute. Um, I'm probably going to offend 50% of the people in this room this morning. So sorry, sort of. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And you see the word and the spirit do this amazing dance. They, they work together so beautifully. Powerful words saving us, the spirit coming in and sealing it. They just work together all the time. It's lovely. It's alive and active so Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. I find that one of the scariest verses in the Bible, I have to be honest. Whenever I read it, I think, oh my gosh, it is both truly amazing that God knows us and can see us. And basically, we are naked before him. It is truly terrifying also. It shows us the way. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if you're stumbling around in darkness thinking, I don't know where to go, what to do. This, this book says it works like a lamp. And it, it lights our path and it shows us where to go, what to do. And it doesn't mean that on Monday morning when you're like, what should I do with the kids? Oh, I'll just open the Bible and it will show me where to go and what to do. It doesn't mean that. It means what should I do with my life, my family, my marriage, my singleness, my hopes, my dreams? What, what do they line up to? What do, I, what, do I, what do I gravitate around? What do I order them about? It means this book is like a light when you're in darkness. It's, it makes us rich. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. I know that for some people you become a Christian and you think to yourself, my life is going to be perfect, everything's going to be amazing, I'm going to basically sing and dance and there will be money falling from the sky and and it will be magical when you become a christian you are the richest person that ever walks the earth but not because of what you own but because of who you are 
You're the richest person who walks the earth because you are right with God. And you might be rich money-wise or you might be poor. It makes no difference apart from what you can amass and have. It makes no difference to your life whatsoever. When you stand before God, we each of us are naked before a holy God with nothing in our hands apart from what God has done in our hearts, our minds and our life. Our stuff is nothing. It does not go with us. What goes with us is who we are in Christ. That is what makes us truly rich. That is why you get to say, in Christ, I lack nothing. And it doesn't mean that you might not one day be wanting for food or lose your home or lose your job. It doesn't mean that. You lack nothing because you are whole in him. You are made brand new. You are right Your life makes sense. Your heart is right with God. You stand in Christ. You are rich. I am always rich, even though we have to watch every penny because we live on a salary. So we have to watch every penny. But I am the richest. I walk the earth rich every day of my life because I know Christ, because I'm right with God, because I'm saved. That's what makes a person rich when we discover who we truly are, who we're truly meant to be. Not whether I drive a BMW and own two houses. At the end of your life, what will matter is who you are. And that's what the Bible says about us. It teaches us who we are and how we can be rich and how we can live out of that. And how we can be contented even when life is really tough. How we can stand firm when everything around us is is wavering. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's how it makes us rich. It is supposed to be preached all the time. You might think to yourself, I'm part of a church. Man, they preach every week. Do you reckon there'll be a week where they might just let that one go? The Bible's really clear. You should, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, you should preach the word and be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with complete patience and teaching. It's something we should be continually doing, preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word. It is not only good for us, but it helps people get saved too. So we've had two people now give their life to Jesus on a Sunday morning because God is powerful. The word of God is powerful. It causes people to question their lives. It is a book that is full of truth. Therefore, you stand before it and think, well, like, how does that work for me? It, is, it has a transforming effect. It is glorious and beautiful. It is one book, this book, but with 66 books in it. So when you open the Bible, it's full of books. It's like a library in your hand. And yours might be black or brown or pink like mine or sparkly like Ness's. It's a book within books. It's a library in your hands. It has 1,189 chapters and 31,102 verses. It is written over 2,000 years. So this book was written and compiled over 2,000 years. It has at least 44 different authors in three languages. It's written in nine countries and in three continents. And it has so many voices 
So it has kings, nomads, shepherds, generals, queens, mummies, poets, thinkers, fishermen, but it also only speaks with one voice. It has many voices, many books, but speaks with one voice and tells one story of a God who wants for himself a people, a people who would love him, serve him, honor him, be with him, be right with him. It speaks of one hero called Jesus Christ, who's the reason that the book is written, so that we might know him, so that we might engage with him and discover him. It speaks of the lengths that a father would go to to bring back his kids to make sure that at the end of time, everyone who he forechose and foreknew is in his house. It's a beautiful story. Martin Luther, who's a German monk and Bible scholar, once said, the Bible is alive and it speaks to me. It has feet and it runs after me and it has hands and it lays hold of me. When you pick up your Bible, that's what you want to be imagining as you open the pages, that it's got hands that grab you and mouth that speaks to you and feet that run after you. It is the wildest book you will ever pick up. And I would challenge you that if you find this book boring, you are not reading it properly. You are not reading it engaging with God. You are not reading it with the Holy Spirit. You are literally picking up a book and going, it's boring. It begins and ends with God. It is a story that you find yourself in it. So whenever I read it, I'm like, I'm like that person, I'm like that person, I will often do that. So I often find characters that I go, oh my gosh, that is so me. So at the moment I'm reading Genesis and you've got the Abraham and Sarah story where God says to Abraham, I'll give you kids. Sarah, she's so practical, she's gone, right, okay, how will we make that happen? I know what, because I'm so old and barren, I will find you a woman and you will have kids with her. And then God will be true. And I I read it and go, oh my gosh, I so recognize myself in the characters within this beautiful book. I so look at things and go, that's me. God says to me, I promise you this. And then I start running around going, right, okay, how can I make that happen then? Whereas God's like sitting there going, I said I would do that. And it usually lets me run around like Sarah and then waits till she's worn out and says, are we ready now? And that's me. Like, you can find yourself in this story. You order your life around it. You don't pick and choose from this book. You don't say, well, I like it where it says that God loves me. Not so keen where it says I need to give away my money. I like it where it says that you will find this one person and it will be amazing and you will be like one and it will be so glorious. I don't like it when it says I can't dump that person when I've had enough. I like it when it says you'll be part of a fellowship. I don't like it when one of them offends me, therefore I'll leave it. It, This book, we order our life around it and we don't pick a mix from it. We, We have to take the whole book as truth or none of it. I I remember listening to a sermon once where he got everyone to kind of put this book over their heads and he said, this book is above me. This book is not beneath me or beside me or here. This book is above me. This book tells me how to live. I don't tell it that it's out of date or does God really know what my world looks like now. This book is above me. It's always worth reading and always worth fighting for even if you find it hard. I want to take on three lies. So 
I don't like to read. I would challenge that. Every person I've heard said that. I know they read their emails. I know they go on the internet. I know they go on Facebook. I know they go on articles and laugh about them and write comments at the end. We all read. I know they check what's in their food. I know they read. We all read. We just decide what we read. And that's where I kind of feel like you have to make some choices. And we decide how we read. So when I was, when I first had, both my boys took ages to learn how to sleep. Levi was the slowest feeder alive. So, you know, hours and hours in the night I would be awake. I wanted to use that time, but I was so tired I couldn't read. So I plugged in my iPhone and had someone read the Bible to me. So for a big season in my life, I never once picked up my Bible and read it. Someone read it to me because I was so tired, but I still wanted to get the word in me. So someone would read it to me. It's not a good enough excuse, I don't like to read or I'm too tired. I think we just have to work out ways to do it, to understand what this book is and then work out how to get it into us. It's a bit like food, the word of God. So if we decide that we're not going to eat, as people we will be weak and die. We won't be able to survive. The Bible is like that for Christians. If we don't read it, if we don't eat it, we don't survive. We're weak, feeble efforts of Christians when we don't eat our word. We just have to work out how. My next lie is I'm more of a spirit person than a word person. This lie is my least favorite. This, this lie, I said to Stuart, obviously I'm a very gentle person. This lie makes me want to rugby tackle people to the ground when I hear it. You don't uncouple the word and the spirit. I don't know where we've got this from. I think we've come up with this kind of, I'm more of a word person, means I'm a little bit more boring and I like to sit and read books. And I'm more of a spirit person, means I like to enjoy worship and dance around and sing. I don't understand it. The word and the spirit are coupled together. To uncouple them is to divorce them. It, like, it shouldn't be done. We are word and spirit people. When you're born again, you are born of the word and born of the spirit. We're, we're word and spirit people. If you like to dance, that's different. So I love to dance. I, I find it difficult to keep still most of the time. I love to dance. I'm not a great dancer, but I love to dance. My husband does not. I literally have to bribe him if we're at a wedding to dance with me, his wife. And then he'll dance with me and say, am I done now? It's just such a beautiful moment. Um, usually I end up at the last one I went to, I, I ended up dancing with Dan and Joe. Uh, because, you know, obviously not slow dancing. I'm talking about, you know, just like this. Um, because my husband w- did one dance and then said, I've done it. Like, so, but I love to dance. That doesn't make me more of a spirit person than him. That doesn't make Stuart more of a word person because he loves to read more than I do. We're both word and spirit. We have to kill that lie. We have to just get rid of it. If someone says it to you, just, you know, just gently say to them, that's a lie. You can't be more word or more spirit. They don't get uncoupled. They go together. The word and the spirit go together. They dance together. They move together. When you read your word, you're supposed to do it with the Holy Spirit. 
when you're in the spirit, you're supposed to be singing and connecting with the truth. So the songs we sing, Dave's great song this morning, Crampat, that, that is basically the most amount of truth I've ever sung in a song in my whole life. I almost needed like an inhaler at the end of it. I was like, oh, that's a lot of truth, beautiful truth. That's what we're supposed to be singing. That's what we're supposed to be dancing to, truth over and over again. I don't have time. And I'm really sorry if you are sitting here this morning feeling a little bit delicate and I'm you know, bashing you around the head with, you should read your Bible. That's not my heart at all. I don't have time is one of the biggest lies ever. If I told you I'd give you £100 if you could read your Bible for 10 minutes every day and I'd give you £100 every day, you'd be able to do it. If I told you you could have a tub of Ben and Jerry's at the end of your 10 minutes, you'd be able to do it. It, we have time for what we have time for. We have time for the things that matter to us. So I found myself, when, when I had my two boys saying things like, I don't have time, but I always had time to watch a little bit of Gilmore Girls or Grey's Anatomy. They're a 40-minute episode. I don't have time is like the biggest lie ever. We do have time for what's important. We decide what's important. So there's always 10 minutes in your day even if it is that you lose 10 minutes of sleep. So I don't go to bed until I've read my Bible because last year I had a terrible year reading my Bible. I still read my Bible, but it was so on and off because I kept saying, I don't have time. And I'd believed it over and over and over again. And I woke up one day, I was like, why do I keep saying that? It's the most ridiculous thing. I do have time. I'm choosing to do other things with it. So I made a deal with God. I said, you know what, God, I will not go to sleep until I have met you in the word. I will not go to sleep. So sometimes it means my time with God is lasting at night when I probably should be asleep. But it's my food. It's, it's what orders my life. It's what, it's what sustains me. For parents, I want to appeal to you, if you pray over your kids that one day they will be mighty men and mighty women of God, which we pray over our boys every night, and FYI, we pray over whoever their wives are, we say that they would be mighty men of God and that they would marry women who equally are mighty women of God. One thing you could do for them that would prepare them for that is help them to love reading read stories to them, anything, so that when they get saved and God reaches down into their life and says, I'll have you now, they already have a love for books. They already have. I'm like truly grateful that I grew up in a house that I was read to and that both my brothers are the same. We love to read. Stuart also grew up in a house where we were, he was read to and they love to read. We love to read. It, it takes something out of the way for you. If you already love to read and God has chosen to reveal himself in a book, it then makes just that pathway just more helpful. So parents, read to your kids. Whatever you, they love, read with them so that they grow to love words. They grow to love books. They engage with a book. I think practically... If you want to read your Bible and grow in your Bible, sometimes you literally have to start by changing your mind. And you might believe all manner of lies about the Bible. You might think it's boring. You might think it's too hard. You might, you might think I don't have time. You might think I'm not a very good reader. All manner of things will be going on. Most of the time we have to change our minds. 
go, do you know what? This is so good for me. I'm going to change my mind. Whichever one it is. Find a good translation. So there are translations that some people connect with easier than others. I love the NLT. It's probably Stuart's least favorite. He's an ESV man. This is an ESV. Stuart bought this for me. Um, And I do actually love it. I prefer the NLT, New Living Translation. I find it much more readable. This I love because when I read it, I I know this is probably one of the most accurate uh, Bibles you can get your hands on. Choose a translation that's good, that works for you. Choose one that you can read, that when you read it, you think this flows and I understand it. Or choose an audio version that works for you. One that you think, I like that guy's voice, I like the sounds around it, I can really engage with this. Choose something that works for you. Get easy to read text and size. Because if you, like me, make a deal that you're going to not go to sleep until you've read your Bible, you might be doing it last thing at night. The worst thing ever would be the tiniest print to have in your Bible. So choose a text size that you can actually read that you think, when I read this, my eyes don't hurt because then it's too hard otherwise. Uh, get some books that help you out. So if you, if you go on Amazon, they've got hundreds of books. This guy here, Phil Moore, has written some brilliant little books that go alongside books in the Bible. This one is an overview of the whole Bible. It's beautiful. Um, so choose some books. Get some help. So go to your life group this week and confess and say, I don't read my Bible. In fact, I don't even know where it is. Or actually, I've been a Christian a while and I'm just bored of my Bible. Is that bad? And get some help. Chat to other people. Say, look, this is my deal. I would say this week in life groups, ask each other. Just say, how's it going? And not in a condemning like, do you read your Bible and how much? In a way that we want to help each other do this want to help each other engage with God in the Bible. So get other people to help you out. If you're a new Christian here, get someone to buddy up with you. If you don't know someone who could help you, ask me, and I will make sure you have someone who can help you read your Bible. Do investigations. So I investigate stuff in my Bible. So all through my Bible, I just have a page at the start of a book in the Bible and I just, I've got something I'm investigating and I just write notes on it. So at the moment I'm reading Genesis because as a church we're starting to look at the Joseph story. So I thought it'd be really cool to just read Genesis and, and have the Joseph story in context. Um, and in Genesis I'm investigating, with my friend Fliss, um, we're investigating who are the types of people that God uses and chooses. So who does he pick? And who does he like to use? It's a great study already. I'm like, wow, God, you pick some crazy people to work with. It gives me hope, makes me think, all right. Sarah, like over and over again, Abraham over and over again, stuffing up over and over again, God still chooses them, God still uses them. That's good for us to know. It's good for me to know on weeks when I'm just getting stuff wrong and just think I really should be disqualified. So investigate something. I've done investigations through the gospel. What is healing like in the gospel? What is Jesus like in the gospel? I've done stuff in the Old Testament saying, where is Jesus in this book? 
I'm just jotting down any time that I see a hint of Jesus or something about Jesus, listen to it. Find yourself any way of actually engaging with it. Listen to sermons. So hopefully, most of the sermons, all of the sermons you will hear here are preached out of the Bible. And then poke around on the internet and find some other churches that preach from the Bible and and listen to them. And lastly, I think I would make a choice. I would say to yourself, this book is important to me. It's important for my life. It's important for my family. It's important for my future. I'm going to get myself in it. And I'm going to, if I'm struggling, I'm going to get some help. If I'm doing really well, I'm going to help someone else. So over the years I've had, I've had times when I'm doing it really well and times when I'm not. And in those times, I'll be doing different things. So sometimes I'm helping people and sometimes people are helping me. Work out where you are and think, okay, I, I, I do this pretty good. I am reading my Bible and it works for me. Help someone else do it too. Have a route around in your life group and think, who needs some help? If you're sitting here and you're not saved and you think to yourself, well, I'd love to read your Bible, there is nothing stopping you. If you do not know Jesus yet, one of the best ways you can find out about him is in this book. You can open the pages and you can find out about Jesus. You could read Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. They're the accounts of the life of Jesus. And they are brilliant pictures of who Jesus is. You could read any of the books, to be honest, and find Jesus in it. But I would suggest one of those books would help you find Jesus. And ultimately, when you find him, you should give your life to him. Because he is, quite simply, splendid. I don't want anyone to leave this morning feeling like, oh my gosh, I am the worst Christian ever. I want to say that there are times when I do this well and times when I do not. But every time I'm failing in it, what I want to do is do something about it. I don't want to stay there. So I want to plead with you, if you're thinking, I do not do this well, don't stay there. Grab someone and say, I don't do this well and I want to do this well. I want to engage with God. I want to grow in God. I want to understand more. If you find this book boring, tell someone. Go and tell me. I promise not to rugby tackle you, right? Only if you say, oh, I'm all about the spirit and not the word. That's the only time, all right? Come and tell me, and I will help you investigate your Bible in a way that will bring it alive. It's a living and acting book. It has hands, feet, and mouth. It has the ability to transform lives. It is, the story contained within it is why you're saved if you're saved, Your families need it. Our world needs it. When our world is groveling around, trying to find truth here, there, and everywhere, what they need are voices that stand up and say, this is truth. What they need is people who are prepared to gamble their whole lives, that actually when God said, I breathe this out, and every word of it is true, he meant it. What this book, what our world needs is people who love this book, read this book, and live this book. What the early church had was a bunch of people who understood that, this, that the Old Testament, that the life of Jesus was true, and then they lived out of it, and they gave their lives up for it because they believed it with their whole heart. So I'm going to invite the worship team. I can't see Matt. Oh, yeah, there you are, Matt. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to worship. When, we, when you're singing songs, we are singing truth in order that we might engage with God.
I would say let's enjoy our Bibles, people. Let's be a church that are truly word and spirit, that engage with the Holy Spirit, that engage with the Word and live out of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship.